the more fun way to work with your unconscious is through your dreams. So your dreams are a direct route to your unconscious. Why? Because when we're sleeping, Welcome to Finding Your Spark again. I'm so glad you're here with us today once again. Today we're going to talk to Dr. Deborah Lukovich. She's a depth psychologist, author, podcaster, and blogger. Her expertise is in the study of the unconscious. After navigating her own midlife unraveling, reconstruction, which paralleled an irrational desire to study depth psychology. She unleashed creativity and now Deborah is on a mission to grow a movement of self-reflecting humans. She empowers people with a framework for self-reflection, which is focused on learning the language of the unconscious through which the soul reveals clues about our deepest desires. Today, Deborah and I are going to talk about how the unconscious, the language of the unconscious, can be your biggest asset. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so glad you're here. Now, I just adore the things you're talking about. And I think that when we have a sense of there's something I don't know that's not conscious, but I don't know how to deal with it. It's doing its own thing. And uh, I don't really seem to have any way to know what's going on. And I think that that space of like finding out that there's a language is something really incredible. I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So even science affirms that up to 90% of who we are uh, what motivates us, our emotional reactions to things, and even who we're attracted to is really influenced by mysterious unconscious forces. So how the unconscious is the unconscious, it's not known. We don't know what's in it, but it speaks to us. It has its own language. And in order for us to sort of get around our ego, our mind, which is very linear and very concrete and very literal, and the mind only seeks to affirm and confirm what it already knows, which means if you want to know what's not known yet, you have to get around the mind. And so the unconscious has its own language and it speaks to us in imagery, images and symbols. And so therefore, since most of our life is spent being literal, we have to learn a whole new language for how to even hear when it's speaking to us because it doesn't speak directly to us. The unconscious is also the realm of the feminine, not woman, of course. Most people know that now that we have a masculine style of consciousness, mind-oriented, linear, goal-oriented, and then we have this whole mysterious realm of the feminine, which is meandering. It's creative, it's patient, it's strategic, and it's just, and juicy. I like the word juicy. So yes, a language. So that's what I do is I teach my clients and I teach people who follow me how the unconscious speaks, the different ways it speaks, and then how to learn how to decode its messages. So you can hear what your unconscious is trying to communicate to you, which I also say is it's also how your soul is trying to get messages to you as well. Well, that 
really would be an incredible asset if we could understand that language, speak that language, right? So, uh, so let's dive in a little bit to that language. Um, I guess where I'd like to start actually is in that personal piece, because I'd love to know a little bit more about not just what the unconscious is, but maybe examples of the ways in which it speaks. Yes. And I have a whole list of different ways that I have in my book, Your Soul is Talking. So I would say two, I would focus on two. One is more fun than the other one. But when you mention personal, because we have a personal unconscious that is filled with things that have to do with our personal life and our also our ancestry and uh, generations is in our unconscious, our personal unconscious, but our personal unconscious also exists within the framework, within the context of the collective unconscious. So everybody else is unconscious. And then when we add it all up together, it's like a cosmic unconscious, the collective unconscious, which some would kind of refer to as God, the unknowable, right? God is unknowable. And so is the collective unconscious. So, so the personal aspect, the most useful way to listen to your unconscious is by exploring your complexes. So complexes are patterns of thinking and behaving. That's it. Like I tend to be eternally optimistic. That's a complex. That's like when I'm up against something unexpected, the way that I look at it is in an optimistic way. Somebody else might look at it in a more, they might say realistic way. And each of those ways has a light side and a dark side. So your patterns of thinking and behaving are kind of neutral until they don't work for you anymore. So somewhere in midlife or when you get swept up in a rational love affair or you have this calling to go study something that your parents are like, I'm not going to make it. You're not going to make any money doing that or whatever it is that then your usual way of dealing with something is butting up against either your experience or expectations in society. So all of our patterns of thinking and behaving are rooted in our childhood. Of course. Why? Because our childhood is our first exposure to relationships with other people. So we absorb the tendencies and the ways of thinking and behaving of our parents and our caregivers and even our teachers. And so again, you could have a crappy childhood. So you really are more aware that you've got trauma and you have some dysfunctional patterns of thinking or behaving. But even for those of us who had a pretty fine, normal childhood, you still got patterns of thinking and behaving that helped you experience your childhood. And then you took those ways of thinking and behaving out into the world. And by the way, those patterns that developed helped you. So even if you get to one to a, uh, a place in life where something's not quite right anymore, those patterns that maybe are a problem now, they work just fine before. So you don't ever have to beat up yourself up. You don't have to make your parents the enemy, although sometimes they deserve to be the enemy, but you don't have to do that. You can just say what worked before isn't working now because I'm on the threshold of expanding. So if I want to get someplace new, of course, the ways that I was acting before might not be a match for where I'm going, where I'm trying to go next. So we can talk about parental complexes. So that would be a great, the most useful place to start. 
the more fun way to work with your unconscious is through your dreams. So your dreams are a direct route to your unconscious. Why? Because when we're sleeping, our ego's sleeping. So our ego's not in the way going, that's what that means. That's what that means. Yep, I told you, that's right, that's wrong. Our ego's resting. And so our unconscious can like freely speak to us in imagery and in dreams. And we can talk more about like, how do you explore your dreams? Because there are a lot of tendencies that bring the wrong interpretation. And in fact, it's not about interpretation at all. There is no right interpretation of a dream. It's about finding meaning and gaining insights that allow you to look at life differently so that you can overcome a struggle. So there's so many other ways. Um, in fact, another way that really played a big role in my midlife unraveling and reconstruction was my experience with film. So think about it, film utilizes imagery and images aren't only visual. So I define an image when it comes to depth psychology as an impression. An emotional reaction is an image to explore. So uh, the being in the theater and the experience of being in a dark womb is an image itself. And what I found really interesting is that the advent of the moving picture coincided with the beginnings of psychology. So it's almost like the desire to see the image on the screen was because we wanted to know more about ourselves. So film is another one that is one of my favorites. But those are just three of many ways that our unconscious speaks to us. Wow, that is uh, a lot to talk about. So let's move into that dream place because I feel like that's a space that many people have and they, they'll have dreams and they either won't remember them or they, uh, or they will remember them, right? They'll remember them for like a few seconds and, uh, and other people have developed the, the habit and the skill of being able to say, oh, that was a dream. I could write down the contents of it and then I'd know it had a lion and a tiger in it and that's great. Now I know something, right? I have some images that I can recall a marker that I can go back to that space in mm -hmm. and maybe even go back to those feelings in if I, if that's useful. Uh, can we talk a little bit more about how do people work with their dreams? Yeah. So the first thing that you said is people dream in completely different ways. So some people say, I don't dream or I might dream, but I don't remember. If you want a dream, you can actually ask your unconscious, your psyche to bring you a dream. So for your listeners, if they're like, oh, I wish I dreamt, but I don't really dream. Tonight, when you go to bed and you're sort of relaxing and breathing and you know lowering into a different level of consciousness, you might just say, hey, unconscious, hey, psyche, I really like a dream. And then if it doesn't work, just do it again until it does. Other people, some of my clients, I'm so jealous. Their dreams are like movie scripts. They're like, well, then I went there and the bear was chasing me and I remembered this about the bear and then there was this character that, and, I was, and I get so jealous. But what you remember is what your, is your material. So we call it material. So we're de it's almost like we're a detective. So you may remember one image. I had a really strange image the other night. In fact, I was walking around holding a tooth and the tooth was, it was, it was unhealthy. 
I didn't even know they think about it. I didn't even know if it was my tooth and I had pulled it out, but that was the image. That was it. And so I explored that. Sometimes you might not remember what you dreamt, but you wake up with a sensation, fear, or I was running. I can tell my heart is beating so fast or a feeling of safety that you would never, you're like, Hmm, I don't usually feel that way or an emotion. You were angry and fat and you don't know what you did, but you are afraid like you hurt somebody in your dream. So those are all impressions. They're all material that we can work with. So the first tendency is to think you need a lot of imagery. You need a complicated storyline. You need to remember a lot, a lot. No, sometimes that's the point. Your unconscious gives you what is for your benefit. So if it only wants you to remember the sensation you woke up with, then that is the material that you work with. So that's the first thing. Then there are a couple of guidelines, again, that sort of go against people's tendency. So many people look at images in a literal way. So the most popular way that this gets confusing is when someone that you know shows up in your dream. And you say, well, they showed up in my dream because I ran into them yesterday. No, that's not why you dreamt about that person. Rather, that person is a useful image for your unconscious to use because there are associations you have with that person. So it's not seeing the person isn't why you had the dream. The reason that they showed up is that your psyche thinks it's a useful image to get you to explore something. Oh, and then romantic interests and exes showing up in your dream. You know, again, the thing to ask yourself is what associations do I have with that person? So when an ex shows up in your dream, it might, um, it may cause you to feel shame or anger, or the dream might be about the, the better days, you know, when you were swept up in love with that person, or you might have associations about their bad traits, like they were addicted to alcohol or they were narcissists or whatever it is. So what your psyche is doing is saying, aha, those are your associations. When you think of that person, those are the very things that I want you to explore in yourself. Do you have an inner narcissist? Do you have an addiction to something that has nothing to do with alcohol, but an addiction to feeling a certain way? Do you, so, so the key is to find the inner that that person represents for you. And then Another mistake is, let's say somebody shows up in your dream and it's somebody you just don't like. So then you ask yourself, then you're like, am I like that? No, that's not what it's about. So for example, when I found a passive aggressive tendency in my relationship with my former husband, I, and I started exploring and I was like, where's my passive aggressiveness? And then I thought it was all about me setting boundaries. And so that image was used by my unconscious to say, no, you need to be more like that, not the dark side of that, right? So sometimes your psyche will bring a really exaggerated character that's a bad character. But the point is that you, that part of you, you have seen as bad. And so your psyche is being exaggerated to get you to explore that trait that you need a little bit of that trait, not to be like that person, but you need a little bit of of that. And oftentimes that has to do with like telling your truth or being able to set boundaries and advocating for yourself. So, so we have the people showing up, 
When someone shows up in your dream that you don't know, like Brad Pitt, then your psyche is saying, huh, whatever your associations are with that person, these are new parts of you that want to be seen, that want to have a relationship with you versus the boyfriend part of you or the your mom shows up or your sister shows up and it's somebody you know, those are parts of you that you're more familiar with. So just there with that, right? There's so much. So number one, it's not literal. Now, it can be confusing because I had a dream at one point. This is during my midlife unraveling, and my son was in it, and there was a storm. And I said, oh, my gosh, a storm is coming, like a tornado was coming. And I told my young son, I said, grab this tree. Put your arms around this tree. And we were both like, like you know, we were flying away. We were grabbing onto this tree. And later that day, my son got suspended. So some, so sometimes it can be tricky, but my son and I have a really interesting connection and he shows up as a guide. And so, you know, even in hindsight, I can see that there was a storm coming, but it didn't really have to do with my son getting suspended. It had to do with my own. And he was there hanging onto that tree with me. And he showed up in another dream that was really interesting, a recurring dream as well. So that's the other thing that people get a little tripped up by is looking at things literally. And our dreams actually can be prophetic, not in a predictive sense, but in a forward-looking sense. Like if you feel affirmation, like I survived that storm. So did my son. My son survived his storm too. And our family survived that crazy crazy emotional storm as well. So maybe that gets people kind of going because I'm sure they haven't really thought about their dreams that way. Yeah, so so that storm that you're referring to, um, if you go to the place where you say, okay, all of the symbols are about me. That's that's what you were saying, right? Okay, and uh, so, so what was that storm a representation of? Divorce or, I mean, was there some emotional thing happening in in your life at that time yes in fact another sort of image that many people will have during a hard time is that image that dream where your teeth are crumbling and falling out and you literally wake up and you're like oh my gosh do i just only feel my gums it's really it's really disturbing and it is a oh yeah it is a common dream and so i mistakenly this would be the other guideline If you think you know the meaning really quickly, nope, that's not it. If you already know that, no, your dreams are always meant to give you a new insight. And so at the time I was like, well, I know my life is falling apart. I know I don't know what to do about, but at the time I didn't know what to do about it. So later on, and this is the other thing that dreams will come to have more meaning over time. Later on, I realized that the meaning of that dream with my teeth falling out was that I needed to allow the unraveling. So you can see that it's affirming, right? So in the dream was my teeth are falling out, but I'm a really controlling person, not of other people, but of myself. I have a perfectionist complex. I need to fix things. I take on, you know, I'm just like, am I doing everything that I can? So I was trying to keep everything together. And the dream was really saying you falling apart is part of this process. So stop fighting falling apart, that it's needed. You don't get the death and rebirth or the rebirth unless you fall apart 
and you have the crisis of meaning and then there's something new to replace it and the uncertainty and the anxiety is about, I don't know what it's going to be replaced with. Our ego needs to know, but in this process, you need to let go and allow it to come to you as opposed to forcing it. So storm dreams are awesome. That's great. I feel like I could go revisit a bunch of dreams that I've had in my life. I have had, certainly I've had many recurring dreams, um, sometimes in a throughout a period of time, kind of the way that you're describing. Um, but usually they're like, wow, this is a really beautiful place. Or, oh, look, there's an extra door in my house that I never saw before. And it leads to someplace magical, you know. So those uh, kinds of things have never sort of, um, become, uh, I never used them in that way that you're describing, although I can see how one would. Yeah. And even a pleasant dream. So, uh, like, oh, there's something through that door that's magical. Well, one of the ways that we explore dreams is through active imagination. So in active imagination, we engage with the dream while we're awake. So we're not sleeping anymore. So we slip back into the dream and we see what's through that door. And you had a sense it was something exciting, but in the dream, you didn't go through the door. Oh yeah, I did. Oh, you did go through the door. And then oh, you yeah, discovered no, there was something magical. Of things that were in there and, oh. and those types of things, not the identical things, but mm -hmm. some of those things um, really came to fruition in my life over the course of years after that, where... For instance, one of the dreams, you could go through a door in like a regular house and you went down some stairs. It felt like you were going into a basement and or, you know, a downstairs area. Yeah, there's an upstairs, too. I've been there, but it's slightly different than the one I'm going to tell you. So you go kind of downstairs and it opens up and becomes an amazing ballroom. And it's a space that is not um, it's not set up. It's not ready for the ball. Uh, and there's a big kitchen in the back and the kitchen is like super fascinating to me and to, uh, you know, like, I know this is my spot. I know this is the spot that my family, you know, uh, uh, stands in. And, um, that was well before my husband became a, uh, a chef in his bed and breakfast and, uh, started a line of baking mixes. So like all of that, I see how there's some symbolic nature to all of that. So there was, there was something that flowed through that dream that ended up manifesting as you're assisting your husband in starting a business, which is beautiful. Like you were a facilitator, like you were the chef, you were the chef, man. You were the chef that actually created a business as a creation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, he, he didn't, he didn't know anything about marketing or anything. So, right. so, so, so without what, that, so, without the two of us, it doesn't become a business, right? Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I don't have his talent. So in the and, kitchen. And also houses, being in houses, going to rooms and doorways are really great symbols for our psyche, our persona. For, or another way to look at it would be characters. We have the archetypal energies, um, that flow in us and through us are like a cast of characters and so or rooms yeah that mean different things and different rooms during different times of our lives come to the forefront are more important the bedroom for example is a symbol of intimacy 
So when you're having a dream, often dreams um, that have sexual imagery are very difficult for people. They're like, oh my gosh, I was having sex with my ex and now I'm married and I feel all the shame about it. And that's where being literal gets in the way of finding the deeper meaning. And so when we're having dreams with people who have associations and we're in bed together or kissing or hugging or being intimate, it is, our it is those parts of our unconscious that want to be more intimate with other parts of us. Hmm. So it's not about the other person in the, in the outer world. Hmm. It's about different parts of ourselves that want to maybe cooperate, collaborate. Maybe another part of us wants to be unleashed now, which requires another, another part of us to sort of like take a back seat. Um, so, so I love, I love when images of doorways and, and basements, basements going downward in your dream often means you're being open and you're exploring what's in your unconscious, which is unknown. And you don't know what you're going to see down there. And one of my clients recently, he had a dream where he went downward and it was dark, but then in the corner he could see a stage. It was like a stand-up stage. And, and I said, Hey, you know, when we were working with the dream, do you want to go up there? Like go up on that stage? Are you ready? And he did something and he has creativity that's budding out of him. And then there was another room that was like a bedroom for a king, lots of red. So red can be an image of passion and emotions and desire and, and, you know, everything that's in our sacral chakra that works together to create something. So working with dreams is probably their favorite way or the most natural. I can get them like to learn that language of dreams. Um, well, quicker, but they always, I mean, they always need me. Our, our minds are just so strong when it comes to looking at images. So, yeah. That's great. That is so great. It does sound like there is a lot in there. And uh, I wonder, uh, do you go into great depth on this topic in your book? Yes. Yeah, so my, my book actually, there it is, um, has, oh my gosh, I don't, I, well, I do go into depth, but not a ton of depth because my first book on depth psychology, what I wanted to get across to people were the various ways that the unconscious speaks to them because everybody is more sensitive to different ways. So let's say there's someone who doesn't really dream. And even when they ask their psyche, it just, it's not really there for them. So instead of feeling bad about themselves, they might consider um, paying attention to their film experience. So there are reasons when you feel called to revisit a film. So for example, during a, a certain phase of my midlife, uh, unraveling and reconstruction, I viewed certain films eight times. And sometimes, and each time, I just knew there was something more for me. And then during this time, I had already worked with my personal complexes and I came into deeper relationship with the personal aspects, which meant that I was ready to be swept up by more collective forces that have to do with the world out there and my, you know, my purpose out there. And so during this particular phase, what I got from these movies was I saw things happening in the collective that were showing up in these films in ways that nobody else, nobody else saw what I saw. I would Google like, is anybody else like seeing what I'm seeing? And no, it was really interesting. So, so for some people, films might be where it's at. And so sometimes when we're working a dream with a client and let's say a red apple shows up, 
And this happened with one of my clients. And I said, I don't know why, but what's coming up for me is the film Into the Woods. So Into the Woods had all kinds of stars in it. Uh, Chris Pine, Emma Blunt. I can't remember. So, so many. Anna Kendrick. So many of them. It was really a fantastic film. And it brought together uh, five fairy tales. Because fairy tales are really archetypal stories. Um, five fairy tales. And what they all had in common, it really focused on the woods. So the woods, the dark forest, is the place of transformation. So anyway, so one of them, of course, was, is it Cinderella that bites the apple or Snow White? I, I can't remember. What, whatever it is. So, my, so I said, I don't know why this is coming up for me, but you might want to watch Into the Woods. And then the next time we met, she was like, oh, my gosh, that was it. I literally found my inner hag. Like the hag is the one who gives the apple, right? The hag is not an evil person. The hag is, gave her the apple, which put her to sleep, which is unconscious, right? So to explore the unconscious. So sometimes what we think is like the bad characters in the fairy tales, they're the agitators for growth. So she gained so much just from going to watch that film into the, into the woods. So films is uh, a way that the unconscious speaks. Um, things that are troubling emotions like anxiety and depression. Anxiety is a big one right now. We have a collective anxiety for good reason. Things are really falling apart right now. And the collective unconscious is really wanting to usher something new in for how to live as a human being. And so sometimes our anxiety isn't just about us. It's about how we're existing in the collective and you're tapping into the collective anxiety. And James Hillman, an archetypal psychologist, would say that part of the problem of conventional therapy is we've personalized everything. You know, why do we have, why, why do we have um, uh, ADHD? Uh, well, the way that we teach and the way that children learn hasn't really changed. There's like a collective ADHD. So, you know, so we're not always responsible for our own anxiety. We live in a sick system in many ways, right? So, but what does anxiety want from you? So one way that I work with clients with anxiety and depression is we do active imagination where we engage with the anxiety and depression. So we talk about where is it existing in the body? Does it have a shape? Does it have a texture? Does it have a color? And once it takes on a kind of shape, for one of my clients, it was a cyclone around her neck. Like literally, like, a, can you imagine? Like, oh my gosh. And I asked her in her imagination if she would ask the cyclone to move over here. And, she, and it did. And as soon as she imagined that the cyclone around her neck gave her some distance, her anxiety like was released. Or another client who imagined the weight on his brain as a brick. He was so anxious about getting divorced. He didn't understand why, what was going on. And as in his imagination, I asked him to see if he could pick up the brick and put it over here. He was free of anxiety for the entire rest of the day. So now that doesn't say what does it want from us then. So then if once we get some relief and we can put it over here, we can talk to it. We actually can have a dialogue. I have YouTube videos that walk people through how to have a dialogue with their whatever emotion you want to put in. It could be anger, anxiety, depression. So other emotions, our personality type, 
are psychological types. So your listeners might be familiar with Myers-Briggs, the Myers-Briggs inventory. That is based on Carl Jung's psychological types theory. That's his work. And Carl Jung is one of the founders of depth psychology. So I have a, an expertise in working with psychological type. But, and most of the way that it's commercialized is it doesn't really go that deep because knowing what your natural tendencies are is helpful, but knowing what's in your shadow is even more helpful. So, and then we talked a little bit about complexes, fantasies, memories. When you have a certain memory, why did it come up in that moment? Your unconscious really sent it to you to explore. There's something about that memory that is useful right now. So when the unconscious speaks, it's always for your benefit. And then relationships. Oh my gosh. Especially romantic relationships are all meant to prompt self-awareness because of the projection that's going on. So in my first book, I don't go super deep into any of these because I first wanted to like let people choose which one sort of resonated with them and then to explore a little bit. And then of course, you know, all my other free content and my podcast and depth psychology coaching is a way for them to go even deeper into whatever way that they want to pick to communicate with their unconscious. That is great. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, I am want to make sure that everyone knows how to get in touch with you. So tell us what is the best way to, we will, of course, we will link everything on the podcast uh, sites, but what is the best way to get in touch with you? So the best gathering place for all things Deborah Lukovic is DebraLukovic.com. So it's my website. And at the very, very top in very colorful icons, you can get to me in other ways. So for example, I have about 4,500 Twitter followers and each day I engage with them on reflection questions. So I'll put a question out there and then I'll get you know, a response back and then there'll be other people who sort of chime in. And then usually the engagement gets to the point where I might send a link of a particular podcast or a blog post that could be useful to them. My podcast, Dose of Depth, you can just Google Dose of Depth, it's everywhere, uh, is a way that I encourage people to be more curious about their everyday life experiences through conversation, stories, and also education. My blog post is full of awkward, amusing stories about my own midlife experience where I work in these concepts in a really entertaining and sort of a bantering way. Uh, so they can get there from my website. And then also I'm on Instagram and Facebook. So the best thing is to go to DebraLukovic.com and at the top, take your choice. If you subscribe to my website, you will automatically get a free copy of my first ever short story called The Fantasy. Like that was something that came out of my unconscious and it was based on a fantasy and like that was torturing me. So that's an example of how the unconscious actually wants to create and then my book, of course, you can get to links to my book right from my homepage to my website, and it's called Your Soul is Talking. Are you listening? And it's five steps to uncovering your hidden purpose. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here today. I appreciate the conversation too.
Thank you. I also want to remind our listeners, you can always go to unbreakable.guide to get your guide to being unbreakable. And that will help you to work with those emotions that uh, you may be feeling when life gets a little tough and we have to make some different choices. Thank you so much and I'll see you next week.